Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting. My name is Beth Hardy and I'm here to talk to you about parenting, what it means to you and different ways of looking at it. You may have broken free of the chains of the cycles that have been passed on to you from your family of origin, but are you stepping in the direction which is supportive of where you want to be? So we examine all things from things to do with partners, teenagers, younger kids, blowing your top, self-care and more. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Here we go. Hello, welcome to Beyond Parenting today. We have Sarah Page with us who is talking to us about her journey into parenthood and how she dealt with mental health issues postnatally and used the power of mindset to switch her life around and that included switching around what is going on for was going on for her as partner and how she then went on to navigate her co-parenting arrangements in a really amazing amicable way not the story that we're used to hearing so it's really inspiring to hear from Sarah. Hi, Sarah. How are you today? I'm really good. How are you? Thank you so um, much for me. I'm really good. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us. What I would like to do today is talk to you a bit about your journey into through parenting and the ups and downs and the flows and what sort of got you challenged and how you got through it really awesome okay good start I mean just when you're saying the ups and downs it's like where do you start with that I know (laughs) right there's (laughs) so many ups and downs in parenting started I guess a little over four years ago because my daughter is just coming up to four now okay just like the best age I'm loving it so much it's kind of down or the first challenge if you like (laughs) was starting in the first place so I discovered that I had PCOS which was the kind of the first challenge so that kind of journey was the first okay this kind of doesn't all just happen and flow like in the movies and all that kind of stuff so that was a challenge but actually it kind of kick-started this whole kind of secondary journey into kind of wellness and well-being and through that process um I really got into lots of things like stress management meditation um my background is kind of dancing performing arts so I've always had this um this awareness and this interest in kind of you know exercise and well-being and nutrition all this kind of stuff but it really kind of compounded it which comes into play Mm -hmm. later on in, in the journey but this whole it kind of triggered this discovery into that world which was interesting and then when my daughter Lyra turned up then it then things got really bumpy <laughs> um because it was just so challenging as as a baby she was a very unhappy baby she was healthy as you know as far as as anyone could tell and as far as you know any doctors could tell but she when I say she screamed constantly for the first oh at least six months if not longer it's no exaggerations and and that was really really debilitating for me and, Mm. and for my mental health and it's come up a little bit lately because it was maternal mental health awareness day uh just recently Mm -hmm. 
and, uh, and there's been a bit of a, a, a spotlight on this kind of thing. And the stat that was kind of going around is that one in five women will be diagnosed with some, broadly speaking, some kind of postnatal mental health issue. Or, right. Um, which is huge, isn't it? And that's just mm. the ones that are diagnosed. And I yes. know that, you know, that me and lots of other people weren't, but it was incredibly challenging. And in the midst of all that as well, my marriage broke down. So it was a really turbulent wow. first year in into this journey um of motherhood so it was a bit of a <laughs> okay here we go it was a bit of a bumpy start was it like a contributing factor do you think your mental health with the situation with your your partner potentially I think other issues were far kind of deeper rooted than that right uh to be honest what definitely was a was a trigger to the relationship ending was the arrival of Lyra in a sense and I've I've spoken about this before but it really triggered uh, again this kind of second phase of this kind of personal development journey and she turned up and I remember so distinctly looking at her and thinking because you know a baby turns up and they're fresh and they're new and they're pure and innocent and you're like oh my god I just want you to have the best life ever you had kind mm. of have thoughts don't you it switches your perspective um, and I remember thinking, would I, you know, because there was there was issues in the marriage and it was kind of it wasn't, wasn't a good place. And I remember looking at her and thinking, would I want this relationship or this kind of relationship for you when you're mm. it was like there was no question. It was like, absolutely not. I, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't wish this on her. That's a really interesting question, isn't it? Mm. Like, because we do ask, oh, we want our kids to be happy. We don't want them to like make our mistakes, but actually looking at the mirror um, of ourselves and seeing that going forward and thinking about our own mental health as well. Yeah. And do we want that? And what is the contributing factors yeah. to those situations? That's a really interesting question. Yeah, it was, it was a real poignant moment for me and you know it was such a clear no and I kind of had this thought of well I was a pure innocent baby and my parents must have looked at me and thought oh god I really want the best for her and I had this kind of realization that well if it's if this situation I'm in would not be good enough for her why is it good enough for me and it kind of triggered this whole self-worth thing why am I in this situation and and you know and that could be you know in this in this scenario I'm, I'm relating it to a, you know a marriage and a relationship that wasn't in a particularly healthy state but it could be anything it could be you know your work and the job that you're in or a friendship yeah. or a town that you live in or whatever and it's this idea that we kind of just especially as women especially as mums our priorities our needs come further and further down the list the more we go on and we kind of find ourselves just rolling through situations and rolling through life and this is we're accept it we accept it all because we've been taught and indoctrinated to accept it haven't we yeah. by society they yeah. every, everything has told us we have to put up and shut up yeah just get on with it yeah make, make the best of a bad job sort of thing it isn't that simple and it isn't that mm. and why and you know it's really confusing and and the relationship wasn't all an out and out terrible there was really beautiful moments and you know we're still incredibly close now and it's the same again with jobs or whatever you can look at it and go well lots of other people would be very grateful for this situation it's not the worst is it and I think that's the problem it's like unless it's absolutely terrible it's like well it's okay there's definitely good bits like maybe it's so am I just being fussy you know that kind of stuff Mm. it's a real like issue for again for women in particular but yeah it's this really poignant moment of like uh, there's no way I'd want this for her so 
why why is my self-worth not good enough to be like well it's not okay for me either and that was kind of a a real kind of triggering moment and then you know as a result of that not immediately but you know as a, as a result of that it ended up mm. saying it you know this is this is not okay and I think that we're going to be better individually and as a family he'll be better I'll be better she'll be better if we're not in a family unit and that's the decision that we made so Sarah did it cross your mind that you know lots of people will say oh no it's better for the kids if you stay together and all of that sort of stuff I know from my perspective I found that really hard when because you've got that even if you're not directly told it we have been told that message and so it can be really hard to go against that message and maybe like some partners even like give it as a reason why you shouldn't break up as well yes simply yes definitely you're right the the pressure is there societally and you know it's seen as the you know the right thing to do isn't it the traditional thing to do pressure even just coming from myself and and yeah I guess I guess him as well a little bit so yeah definitely went through my mind and and it's the unknown and that's that was what was scary it's the risk factor it's like I am making the decision to break up this family and that felt really scary like I Mm -hmm. think it's gonna be the best thing for everyone her primarily but it might not be I I'm, I was really aware really conscious that that was the risk is this the right decision turns out it absolutely was and it's mm. all good in hindsight isn't it but yeah at that moment in that moment it was like oh my god I'm you know we were only three or four years into our marriage she was a brand new baby mm. I was saying earlier it was a particularly bumpy first year and it was very turbulent and mm. it was like am I speaking from from true me or is it just you know the the result yeah. of this craziness going on and yeah so you may maybe doubted yourself like yeah. is this my the authentic me or is this just me which is sort of addled by what's going on with the screaming constantly and am <laughs> I just sort of like projecting maybe yes there was there was doubt there was superficial doubt but I do believe in gut instincts and to if you can tune into that intuition part I do believe in that and at that level I I think I knew I did know deep down what to do already and it's you know when anyone's got a big decision like that I think truly if you quiet the noise I think you always know it's like when your friends come to you like oh I don't know what do you reckon about this it's like you know already because if you've got to the point of speaking to people about it chances are you know already and you know like I said the the issues some of the other issues in our marriage were were far far reaching it wasn't kind of an out of the blue thing Mm. or something that had been building up probably throughout our whole relationship to be honest and it was this catalyst of a baby arriving and and the way that that flipped my mindset in terms of kind of self-worth and all that kind of stuff that Mm. was the the kind of straw that broke the camel's back I suppose so so it's interesting you've been talking about the the self-worth thing because you were obviously you were struggling with your mental health at the time and quite often when people are in that space they end up ruminating and they never get to that point where you have found yourself at where you actually know I am worth more than this my children are worth more than this and all of that sort of stuff so you had that epiphany moment to bring you on Mm -hmm. because I know lots of people listening to this will probably be thinking well how do I get to that epiphany moment so so like um, obviously everyone's different but how did you find that turning point of being in despair and ruminating 
to getting out and getting to a point where you actually know I am worthy. I think it's difficult because it feels like it's definitely something that happened to me as opposed to a, a conscious decision that I'm going to change something. And I'm, you know, it was that moment of, of looking at Lyra and seeing things through a different perspective mm. that kind of triggered this thing. And I think that was kind of a subconscious thing and that that triggered it for me. And from that point, I mean, it sounds oversimplistic and it sounds, um, you know, it definitely is easier said than done. But at the point where, um, you know, we decided that the marriage was going to end and all that kind of stuff, I remember making a very conscious decision that this is going to be an opportunity. I'm going to see this positively. I don't know what the hell is going to happen right now. You know, there's all the kind of logistical stuff and emotional stuff. And it's like super, super scary and super turbulent. But I remember being like annoyingly dogged about it. I still am now like this will be a positive experience I'm going to see it as an opportunity. I've got a fresh start. I can I can manage my life on my own and make my own decisions. I can build the best version of a life for, for me and Lyra. I can choose to have a really good relationship with him. And, you know, I just kind of really forced myself into this very positive and kind of opportunistic mind frame. And that really, truly stuck with me so getting yourself to the point where you're in that mindset was that was there anything that you you mentioned before about dancing took you on that sort of wellness journey so was there anything that in your came from your past that informed the whole experience for you in terms of your mind I think it was a slight kind of nature nurture thing definitely um you know whatever triggered me to make that decision I don't know but once I had got into that positive mind frame I found myself not quite obsessed obsessed but really into this kind of you know personal development world and I would just like listen to podcasts or maybe like read some books or I kind of explored a little bit into I don't know law of attraction explored a little bit into kind of the business world and kind of psychology behind that and I explored here and I explored there and I just kind of over time built up up my kind of new mindset and my new um right existence and I will say I don't want it to come across like I just chose to be positive and it was all hunky-dory I'm aware Mm. that my experience since since the breakup has been so incredible but I'm very fortunate that he took the same angle if it was a a less cohesive friendly relationship it might have been a very difficult reality you know if I was Mm. I'm, I'm fortunate that it wasn't we weren't at war it was all very calm and peaceful and you know it takes two individuals to kind of make that decision to create that kind of peaceful separation so I can only control my 50% of that journey I'm very lucky that um we kind of both took that stance I suppose to make it so digging into that a little bit about how you created that your side of it whether there was things that you sacrifices you made during that journey of the separation that were the com the compromised to allow for that smoother path was that was did you find you had to do engage in any of those sorts of things in terms of compromising things, mm. any relationship, whether that's, you know, parent, child, friendship, co-worker, relationship, any, there's always an element of compromise in there. I, I, there was a lot of kind of communication. There was a lot of adjusting to new realities and what does this mean? And even silly kind of logistical things like, you know, once it moved out, 
where's the boundaries we had to kind of rediscover boundaries like do mm. I knock on the door or can I just come into the house still you know all those kind of like things mm. that are kind of superficial but it took us like quite a long time to kind of figure out where's the thing and like can I still talk to you about this kind of thing or so that was kind of interesting yeah <laughs> or, or kind of challenging us I don't I don't feel like there was any huge kind of sacrifices I think I think the main thing for me um, and you know it sounds really superficial but I remember kind of leaving all the kind of emotive stuff to one side I was like how on earth do you do this how do you go about logistically separating like finances and property and how am I going to go from you know a, a part a life in a partnership and everything that you built up there to like doing things on my own like financially more than anything like I was right. I think I was still on maternity leave or just coming out from maternity leave at the time. So in terms of sacrifice, I think that's the only thing that's been more challenging because generally society is set up for couples, you know, yeah. and, and family units. So uh, how did you navigate that with the with the finances and um, and your working life and obviously with childcare and sort of like how you're going to actually s- separate time and things like that? Step by step, first of all, because day one, you're sat there and it looks like a massive mountain in front of you to go from point A to B. You know, I could visualise this life where things are a bit calm and we know what's going on and we're both kind of independent. But to go from where I was to that seemed like impossible. So mm. first thing is just breaking it down and just knowing that it's not all going to happen in one go. First of all, we just have a conversation. We do step. What's the first step? Where are we going to live? Okay, what's the second step? Ring up the bank, see if we can sort, you know, just and bit by bit, mm-hmm. these things fall into place and, and they change. We're also quite lucky that, like I said, we we from day one have maintained this really lovely friendship and kind of partnership, I suppose, and co-parenting relationship. So any separation related conversations have always been very, like, not always easy. Don't get me wrong. There's <laughs> been a bit of like, but generally very supportive, very open, very communicative and very balanced. So we kind of just have conversations and decide amongst ourselves how things are going to work, how we're going to separate mm. finances and how we were going to manage houses and mortgages and all that kind of stuff. And it was a very collaborative, cohesive approach. And wow. I'm incredibly grateful for that. Yeah. Do you think we maybe we should get lessons in that when we, when we um, get together, when we're in um, when we're in teens, like the potential, you know, because so many people do separate from their their partner who they have a child with like yeah. maybe we should spend some time but then I suppose people are like oh they don't want to think about the potential but because it's there no of course you don't want to think about the potential going into a marriage it's a lifelong commitment and I don't think myself included I don't think people go into that lightheartedly or, or kind of you know without that intention but you know if you look at the system statistics not to be a downer but you know they're they're pretty high in terms of divorce people are living you know twice as long as we used to and I heard actually on another podcast that it's true that I think and rightly so I'm I love romance I love love I love but it's true that marriage in its essence is a contract and actually I don't think that many people go into it understanding fully the legal implications of the contract that you're signing I know Mm. that sounds like dead boring and like not romantic and stuff and definitely layer on all the romance and stuff on top of that because because that's beautiful but I think 
quite often people do get swept up in the dream and the wedding and the romance and mm-hmm. the commitment to each other and actually there, there is you know a legal contract happening at the same time so yes I do think there could could and should be um more kind of understanding of that kind of before people go into it similarly to motherhood like you know I was mm-hmm. at an event at the weekend seeing the the good enough mums club show which is brilliant and it was this whole kind of exploration through motherhood and the journey and getting into it and and again people go into it rightly so because it's the most wonderful beautiful magical thing yeah, we're so blessed to, to be in this in the space of parenting and motherhood but I think there is sometimes a naivety about it and there's baby showers and pink balloons and blue balloons and cute baby mm-hmm. outfits and all that kind of stuff and and how often as expectant mothers does anyone go okay well let's just have a talk about some of the things that might happen and some of the realities that you might experience and some of the kind of mental health difficulties no one wants to talk about that stuff because they want to be like oh my god I found this super cute baby girl for you you shouldn't paint the nursery in both marriage and motherhood maybe there's a bit more room for a bit of balance and a bit of preparation yeah preparation of potentially the reality of a lot of people's experience because then we go into the motherhood experience and we have been sold this dream and then when our lives don't live up to it then we're like oh well that so I'm wrong I'm wrong and it all goes back on ourselves doesn't it and so then people are like feel stuck in themselves and then they can't see out and see that other people are suffering too and that that's you know normal I mean normal I say in our society because we live in this sort of like really insular society and we didn't we, we weren't always in those that living space and it might have been a very different experience if we today modern people were living in that other way of more community-based village style communities I wonder yes. how that would be I wonder what the stats might be at that point mm, it's so true there's that saying isn't there you know it takes a village and mm-hmm. you know there's uh, there's that book called the red tent about that kind mm. of um, kind of tri- tribal living as well actually I was just finishing off a blog this morning and as part of that I was talking about kind of sistership and and kind of group tribe mentality and it's so true that we need we need each other and the more talking and the more openness the better it might not always be the most glamorous or sexy kind of conversations but the more talking the better because you're so right the immediate reaction is it's me I'm doing something wrong and you know especially in the world of social media and stuff which I love like that's my job don't get me wrong I think it's cool um but you know whether it's online or not you're only kind of seeing you choose to see the best bits well they've got it easy or like their kids Mm -hmm. screaming all the time I used to go to Costa with my friends and they like still laugh about it now and then they'd just be like sat having a coffee and their baby would be like asleep in the in the buggy or even more impressively for me if they were not asleep but just chilling sitting there I know I've never experienced that and I don't (laughs) know my baby was asleep or screaming that was it so like if I could see her waking up I was like oh god okay like preparing myself like they used to tease me because they'd be they'd be sat there and I'd be like this like bouncing around the coffee shop the whole time and my my reaction to that wasn't like you know that's okay everyone's different I'm sure you know it's a fade my reaction was like they're doing something right I'm doing something wrong and how could it not be 
how could it not be when you're faced with that as your reality that's really really tough the more you talk the more you realize that there's there's other experiences like that exactly Um, so my my daughter could like the worst thing you could do was put her in the pram or the car like oh the car yes worst the worst (laughs) anywhere which was so funny it wasn't at the time but it was funny because you know she'd be screaming somewhere whatever and uh, all right not going to sleep and the advice was generally like why don't you pop her in the pram and go for a walk around the block or like my kid always falls asleep in the car why don't you just drive around the block and I'll be like "Mm, uh, (laughs) no (laughs) that doesn't really work (laughs) the more conversation the more we're open and we realize that actually there's a whole sliding scale of normal um and there's yes. other people going through that and it's not you then the better so what would you say your favorite thing about being a parent is oh, my goodness that's an amazing question I am continually fascinated like literally every day by the development it's isn't it like mind-boggling how you uh, we're in such a privileged position to have a front row seat of the kind of miracle that is a human growing into an adult human it's like it's so incredible like from day one you're like look at that tiny toe like how did that how did that come into existence it's incredible and then they start kind of seeing things and moving differently and then they learn to walk and like just preschool age the language develops so quickly. Like I swear mm. every week she's got a new word or a new saying, or you can see them exploring how to use this word or like how to use jokes or whatever it is. And oh, like, jokes. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> jokes. When do they get jokes? I don't even know. I've got, I've got teenagers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's my favorite thing. Uh, it's just like, it's so mind-boggling isn't it I think I find it fascinating and I love it and I love witnessing it and I love imagining what the next stage might be like imagine when she goes to school imagine what it might be like when she's doing this or yeah I think it's wicked it's it's very cool the spark of wonder that sounds incredible that is it that is yeah it's good it's good to refocus on on that isn't it and just see see that especially for people who are like really struggling and just be able to see like in those little chunks oh yes how amazing is is that that's happened today what do you feel a bit scared of when you're going forward because you just said you're looking forward to the things but are there any things that you're like oh I don't know how I'm gonna deal with that thing that might happen (laughs) in the future yeah hundreds I'm a mum are you kidding me I'm worried yeah that's that's the kind of flip side isn't it I guess Mm. the 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 worries yeah for sure I think do you know what when I what when I wasn't a mum everyone's got expectations I think I'm gonna be like this I thought I was gonna be the coolest like most laid-back mum ever (laughs) turns out I'm not like I just I think I'm and it'd be interesting to hear hear what you think of your kids a bit older but you know that point of kind of pulling away and gaining more independence and the idea of her going out for the day on it like she's she's three at the moment so getting to the point where she's old enough and she's like I don't know catching the bus into town and stuff is like so far in the future I can't imagine not having her like and safe and it's it's being brave enough and trusting her enough to be able to navigate the world on her own because you know the world is 
amazing in many ways and I'm very privileged as a kind of you know middle class white woman in a very safe town to be in a particularly safe and good part of the world so I think it's good to kind of you know check your privilege but still even even so the world isn't all kind of roses and stuff is it so I think it's that idea of our job as a parent is is to raise them in such a way that they can be healthy independent adults but yeah that's going to be tough isn't it more the more she grows up and the more she gets independent and does all that stuff has a heart broken all that kind of stuff I know I know For, for me the book I read when um my my eldest was little before I had my other kids was letting go as children grow I don't know if you've come across it um, it's by Deborah Jackson I mean bear in mind you know this this was is fairly old now because I've got my eldest is 15 so you know just add it with pinch of salt but (laughs) but some of the um the things that she talks about in there the whole way of Taoism and the like going with the flow and swim with the tide and all that sort of concept and you and putting that back into being a parent, using that as your litmus to go with where your kids are at and just listen. I think that for me, that's been the thing I've just done more than ever. I've learned to tune in to my kids and really listen. I mean, I had to do it from when they were little. I mean, as like you with Lyra, all my kids had quite strong, distinct needs, shall we say, (laughs) growing up. And they still do, but in different ways. But I have to listen very acutely to what they, what is going on for them in order to support them and be there in the way that they need. Because I think Mm -hmm. it's so easy to slip into the controlling zone of like, okay, if I control, 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 then I can keep everything okay. Yeah. But then you can't control once they've left home. So then you're they're leaving home unprepared. Yeah. So it's just it's little by little. And to be honest with you, um, the whole idea of hopping hopping on a bus and going going out, my kids, my two older kids are autistic and they have got issues with doing that sort of thing. So we're only just navigating that. So at mm-hmm. a later stage. And that's been really challenging. Our biggest moment was Lee, my daughter, catching a bus home from a, an activity. Um, and um, she got on the bus going the wrong way. And so we live in Sheffield. So instead of going on a bus going up the road 20 minutes to where her dad's house is, she got on the bus the opposite direction from town. And she was on the M1 going up to Barnsley. I'm not kidding you. Her her um, battery was really, really low. Like she had almost no battery. So she, I couldn't contact her. She didn't even have any money. I had ill prepared her. And I'm like, so like when I found out what was going on, because I couldn't quite establish, she sent me like a screenshot of where she was and it was difficult to establish. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, she's, got, she's on the M1. Yeah. How do I deal with this? Because she didn't have the tools to do, to handle it. So yeah, that, that was a super challenging thing. But do you know what came out of that? It was so challenging. And I probably, my one of my worst moments as a parent, like the, I was on the floor. I was yeah. completely beside myself because I'm like, she hasn't got the wherewithal to ask for help. Yeah. How on earth is she going to get home? 
Yeah. And you just, I don't know about you, but you kind of just imagine like a bird's eye view of a map and you imagine the physical or geographical distance between you like, oh, my God, I need to be there. Yeah, yeah it's really scary. It was really challenging. And I'd spoken to her dad and who was meant to be in charge at this point, you see, because it yeah. was a handover. And he had said that, no, he wasn't going to send her an Uber or a taxi that she would just make her way home on her own and I'm like you can't undermine it at that point it's like because the the passage of of care is kind of handed over at that point so I to do anything other than go okay would be undermining that so it was that was really hard but the good thing is that when she arrived back obviously she was a bit shaken she did arrive back (laughs) Yeah. She did arrive back. So that was obviously the huge, wonderful bit. Yeah. But then after that, obviously, we had to have a number of conversations after that about how how she dealt with it and stuff. But ultimately, then it let her feel so much more confident because yeah. she's dealt with actually probably the hardest thing you can deal with going on buses. Yeah. Right. She's never going to have to do that again. And if she does, she's already done it with, with fewer resources. Yeah, I felt that was a really useful explanation of sort of the the letting go even when you don't really feel fully that they're ready and even if you haven't done all of the prep work they can still be okay I mean yeah it may may have turned a different direction (laughs) and I might be telling a different story (laughs) you'll say right she's built up that experience and that resilience as a result in way more effective way that if you could ever, you could have a hundred conversations going, yeah. if this ever happens, do this, imagine this, exactly. scenario, do this. it won't mean half as yeah. much her going through that experience in real life. Little by little, like you say, like you have to just let go all the mm-hmm. time. It's a constant process of letting go of any control, any, and you're like, okay, test, test test all the time what can you I had a little practice recently in it was a really busy play park and I kind of sat down in the sun and I was like she's cool and I was so hard because she she's quite she's not timid but she's a bit like me she's just a little bit kind of calmer and quieter than most kids so it was really busy and there was kids tearing around and she kind of sat there for ages. Like she, I think she wanted to climb down something or she wanted to go down the slide, whatever it was. And she probably sat there for at least 10 minutes, like trying to build up the courage. And it's so tempting, isn't it, to go, do you need a hand? Do you want to hold my hand? Yeah. And I was like, she can figure it out. She can make friends. And she did eventually. And, and so it was like these little micro opportunities mm. for like practice I know that's not like getting lost on a on a bus <laughs> in Sheffield but like, no like, I'm to be able to practice like she can play in the play park yeah and she can struggle she can deal with the boisterous kids on her own like they kept bumping into her and I was like oh it does it hits you doesn't it, it yeah. hits you being aware of it and then kind of practicing any little opportunities to kind of let go of some of that control and let them experience the world and, and build yeah. yeah and obviously just doing it in in um an environment in a way where you know where they are at in terms of development not leaving the gap too huge um, yeah. <laughs> like, like, just chuck you in a room full of knives yeah appropriate levels of risk yeah exactly appropriate levels of risk and that is it the whole helicopter parenting thing that 
um, has got into real like, and people are quite kind of competitive to some extent, I feel like in some playgrounds of like, and look scornfully at people who, who let their kids just play. Um, and I feel that can be quite damaging to children's mm-hmm. confidence and ability to take risks. Yeah. And um, I was reading studies a while ago about how children are far more prone to actually get in accidents when they have a helicopter parent because they're unable to assess their own risks and therefore make the right choices and stuff so I really agree with that in fact her dad um you know kind of he's he brought up a conversation a while ago but he said it a couple of times he became really aware that you know when she was running around playing or you know I don't know climbing up the stairs or something he'd go oh careful or just mind that or don't slip and he's like I really had to stop myself I found, you know, he mm. kind of noticed that he was doing that naturally, obviously, to protect her. But he's like, I've got to stop it. I've just got to let it, you know. And it's so true, isn't it? If you're mm. always going, because then she was picking up on it. I think that's why he noticed, because he said mm-hmm. it, she said it back to him sometime, like, oh, I'll just be careful there. Or, and he was like, okay, I don't want to be overly, like, freaking out about everything. Like, Yeah. Okay, I've got some rapid fire questions Ooh, for you, okay. Sarah. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what is the worst thing that you bought um, as a parent? Worst purchase? Oh, um, I'm <laughs> probably the pushchair as a baby, which we spent a, a lot of money on. Yeah. And it basically never got used. So <laughs> because you had to hold your baby. It was like 900 quid <clears throat> on the whole like, travel system thing. <laughs> she hated it. So, yeah that one yeah I mean what they they really do is hammer those those systems to, into our, our psyche don't they yeah don't. also it was like I know it's rapid fire but it was the only thing like we went big on kind of second hand and all that kind of stuff it was the only like special thing we allowed ourselves because I remember him saying like but you know this is special it's going to be something you're using every day we'll splash out on like one thing <laughs> yeah yeah maybe not <laughs> okay what was the best thing that you bought as a parent? A sling. A sling. Carrier sling. Yeah. yeah, I went through a few actually. And also, I mean, you can get them secondhand, but they also have quite good kind of sling libraries where you can yeah. go. I was living in Southampton where you can go and just borrow them for a couple of weeks and all that kind of stuff. So really there are ways um, that they're really accessible. So there's lots of sling experts. So if I was to have any other babies ever, um, I would do that <laughs> from the word go. I would just sling them up and have them on me all the time. I think yeah. you go for a walk, do the washing, whatever. I also used it. I took Chloe when she was about two. I took her up to London, and again, just as a kind of slight anxiety thing, I was like, I don't want her like in a stroller or walking. As so, she was a bit bigger by then, but I was like a bit nervous about going on the tube and mm. stuff. So I just stuck her on me, and I'm like, well, I know where she is. And it's so much easier because you're not going to find like lifts and stuff like in a tube. How do people do it in London? I don't know how they're a parent in London with a with a pushchair. I don't know yeah. how people do it. No, I don't either. So yeah, sling definitely best yeah. buy. Best buy. Yeah. Okay, being a mum, right? Did it break you down, lift you up, or both? <laughs> both. <laughs> <laughs> definitely both. It like broke me down to start again and then built me up bigger and better than I could ever have imagined. Yeah, perfect. You've got to be prepared for both. And what is your favourite thing about you? My favourite thing about me is my mindset, I think, my outlook and my, yeah, positivity and rational 
thinking a lot of the time I think and what is the most important job of a parent it's like we spoke about Mm. the most important job as a parent is to raise strong and independent adults so this I think switching the mindset from this kid is mine to we're sharing this journey and and I'm their teacher to prepare them you know to be their own person yes oh that's fantastic Sarah thank you so much do you want to um let us know a bit about the stuff that you do Sarah thank you yes I would love to if I may briefly yes so I at the point where Lyra was about three months old and she was like in the midst of this screamy phase I also moved town and I moved to a new area and at this point I had an idea for um, a project called Tassie Tassie meaning cup because you can't pour from an empty cup and it was this idea that's like I need to look after myself this you know I'm I'm not in a healthy place and also I'm in like geographically in a new place I don't know anyone it would be really cool to like have some friends but I don't know about you but I was never a fan of those kind of baby club things like they're great to do a few of those but I was like I want to make friends but without going overly baby mummy zone Mm. so after a couple of years of parking that because of said separation I kind of refired it back up just recently and I've created um Tassie Club which is exactly that so it's all about feeling good it's about that sisterhood thing that we spoke about finding a group of people having people to kind of chat to and share experiences and also I'm kind of bringing in some of that kind of health and well-being stuff as well so uh, I used to be a Pilates teacher so I'm bringing in some kind of movement wellness I do loads of kind of chats and interviews with all sorts of interesting people on all sorts of interesting topics but taking the focus kind of away from children and motherhood and parenting because there's so many excellent resources to do that and making it really all about mum and mum as a human and mum as a woman and you know prioritize yourself a bit what makes you feel good um do you want to come and hang out let's have a nice day together that kind of thing um so it's very new and at the moment there's a membership um and there's a really nice kind of self-care subscription box as well if you're feeling bougie and you want a little treat so I'm really excited about it and um and the more conversations I have with people and realize the importance of mm. this, this kind of sisterhood you know having having other friends and and somewhere that you can just turn to and feel supported and also just have those kind of nudges of like how are you doing like are you looking after yourself what have you done for fun this month yeah those kind of like little prompts and reminders I think yeah rather than just always talking about the the kids and what they're doing and yeah and getting into those cycles of behavior with your friends where it's always that as the topic and actually I love that idea so where how do how do people find you I'm most active on Instagram you can find me at Tassie which is Mm T-A-S-S-I-E underscore mums club um or just head to the website where you'll find everything which is Tassie club co.uk so there's blogs and YouTubes and interviews and you can join the club and do all that stuff Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we'll put the links in the in the notes and stuff so that um, everyone can access it easily. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Sarah. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. As you can probably tell, I can just chat all day. <laughs> <laughs> it's important too. So thank you so yeah. much for inviting me on. And uh, truly, I wish you all the best because I think it's so important just to kind of, you know, have these conversations, keep talking, mm. keep spreading awareness of all this stuff. So definitely. Wicked. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah.
Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast with me, Beth Hardy. And if you want to connect with me more, you can get along to any of my socials, Your Family Wellbeing Coach on TikTok and Instagram. And you can find me at Stop the Triggers on Facebook. I hope to connect with you very soon. If you have a question that you want answering, we might be able to do a podcast all about that. So please do drop me a line. I'm so grateful for everyone who listens to this podcast. See if you can rate and subscribe so we can make it bigger and better every week. Okay.